The following is a paid advert brought to you by the 1849 Podcast. You know they say all podcasts are not created equal, but you look at 18 to 49. You look at other podcasts. And you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another podcast, so you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% at best at beat 18 to 49. And then you add poorly written WWE shows. To the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at podcast analytics. You got a 33 and a third chance of winning. But I... I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because poorly written WWE shows can't beat me. I'm going to try. So Other podcasts. You take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25% chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning. At Podcast analytics. But then you take my 75% chance of winning if we used to go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percents. I got 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at Podcast Analytics, See, other podcasts. The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at Podcast Analytics. All right, hour two. Good God. Uh, here we go. The Sultan, uh, speaking of Rikishi, the Sultan versus Mike Bell. Who the fuck is Mike Bell? Your guess is as good as mine. He's our jobber of the week. With Rocky on uh, with, with Rocky Maivia on commentary. Once again. Uh, we all yeah. Once yeah. again, watch this period of The Rock's career and just marvel at how good a job he did at turning this shit at, around. At where he went. <laughs> like it is I'm surprised there isn't a conspiracy theory out there somewhere that The Rock and Rocky Maivia are not the same fucking person. Like when the Ultimate Warrior. Two different came people, back. Like, like the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Because, like, holy fucking. You know, shit. it's funny. I was thinking about that Warrior thing the other day because I don't know if I was watching, like, I don't know. I was watching something on the DVR, so I'm fast forwarding through shit I don't want to watch. And they're mm-hmm. showing, like, old footage. And they have one of the warrior, and I do believe it was when he came back, and he's standing on the, because they used to do interviews on superstars, like literally in the middle of the crowd on a big yeah. pedestal, which I always thought was a fun way to do an interview, but you, I don't think you could get away with that now. Well, um, definitely at this moment in time, you couldn't no, get away you, with it. <laughs> absolutely couldn't get away with it now. Um, and they showed the warrior, and he was wearing like what would have been the equivalent of like a WWE kind of like a like a windbreaker, like a Letterman type jacket, mm-hmm. like the old like a school coat. Um, and damn, if he didn't look smaller, so it was clearly when he had come back and 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 you know been off a cycle or two. And I can all I had that moment where I was like, I can almost understand people that believed that the warrior was somebody else because his physique was so drastically different oh yeah he was he was much smaller it was like uh it was like if you look at the first part of his wwe career he looked like when triple h came back at the royal rumble 2002 right. and uh, the second part of his career it looks like when chris masters came back after oh, his god violation yeah Oh, yeah, like still warrior, a better, warrior better, looked like he was made out of balloons or something. He was so yeah, fucking big. Like better, better shape than either of us are currently in, regardless yeah, of whether he was but, on the juice or not. But but certainly a tad deflated. Yes. So uh and speaking of deflated, 
The yeah. Sultan. The Sultan and Mike Vell with Rocky on commentary. Okay. Uh, in hour two, you're going to notice something in hour two, and that's that hour two seems to be this week devoted to interview type shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, because after that match, we get an interview with Sean, which we'll get back to. Uh, we get we get regular sized Vader with bearer and regular sized mankind versus the British bulldog. Who is also like regular sized. Regular sized bulldog. I feel like we've seen that match a, a good bit. Uh, we have we, we have Billy Gunn blasting through a jobber whose name I didn't even bother to write down because I don't remember who it was. Uh, who who I'm, I wrote down Billy Gunn tries Ken Shamrock, so we'll get to that. Uh, we have Steve Austin dressing down Ken Shamrock. We'll tie those two things together, and then for your main event, we have Bret Hart and Psycho Sid in a steel cage match, which is funny because we were talking about cage matches mm-hmm. earlier uh, for the WWE F title. It all comes back around. Yeah. Whether we did it on purpose, you'll never know. I don't know. Most of the time when I'm speaking on this show, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm along with the viewer, the listener in terms of what I'm about to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. <laughs> uh, all right. So the Sultan and Mike Bell, it's a squash. It's, it's a squash. I don't even know if the match is like three minutes long. Um, it's about and it bas- Yeah. It, it basically just kind of, uh, furthers the storyline where the Sultan's going to be fighting Rocky at Mania for the title. I do yeah, was the match it's fine if you if you liked the Sultan gimmick or if like me you remember Lord Tenzai's push. Yeah, that's that's what this is. Like that's that's all it is. Throw yeah. in uh, a very nervous Rocky on commentary, and that's the match. Yeah, very nervous Rocky on commentary. Like it Man, was kind of strange. It, I I think. A part of me wonders, like, did they script him for a while and he didn't like so. that? Uh, or, like, he wasn't comfortable with that? Because once he's allowed to riff, the dude is a completely different guy. He's a totally person. different guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think when he was on these commentaries, I think with Vince McMahon sitting right fucking next to him, he was probably... He was either, he was either, yeah, he was either terrified or they had given him bullet points in a script to work on, or maybe it was both. Yeah, and I you understand know? that. Like, what age was The Rock in 97? He was like 20... Yeah, he's early... Mid-20s? Mid-20s, yeah. Like, he, he was roughly my age now. If you pop yeah. me on commentary beside Vince McMahon now... Right, you'd be lucky if you say five words. Like, I'm not fucking speaking. I'm just going to sit there nodding my head. Well, actually, yeah. no, he, hates, he hates when people nod their head. I'll just sit there giving him a thumbs up right yeah like a little orange cassidy thumbs up like there you go man phoning it in uh yeah it's a squash match uh i i I do kind of miss the occasional squash match yeah me too they were doing it again here and there for a little bit with braun Strowman and and guys like that and uh I, i did miss it a little bit although then even then like WWE never like they're like a dog that doesn't know when to stop eating, so they just make themselves sick. Like mm. they find something that works, and then they feel the need to do it every fucking week. Yeah, I think um, a squash match every every two weeks. Yeah, on, uh, on Raw wouldn't be bad. Yeah, two, every two would be fine. Get a, get a women's squash match and a men's squash match. Man, they don't even do women's squash matches in WWE. I can't remember the last. No, they just squash the whole division. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll just squash Shayna Baszler this week and she's right. squash we'll let, we'll let squash Charlotte come out and use her name wrong call her Shayna Blazer I've never been more incensed in my life like Jesus Shana Christ Blazer. Shayna Blazer. Blazer 
Like you are the you are the daughter of arguably one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time and one of the greatest talkers of all time. What the fuck? Like you couldn't sit down with your dad for thirty seconds and have him dust you up on a promo? Like, I mean, unless for Christ's sake. It, it, it is Ric Flair, and it was the yeah. '70s and '80s. I think if he, the only way he could dust her up is if he if he made a very long fat line right. on the table. And yeah. Like, All right, you just you just slept that up there. You and just snort the just rust start, off of it. Yeah, and then you just start saying whatever comes into your head. Yep. The, the the Ric Flair and Roddy Piper school of promo giving, where you just yes. say whatever the fuck comes into your head at any point in time but at least it would be something like i think <laughs> i think the problem with charlotte and i'm sure that i will get a, a hefty amount of shit not necessarily from you but from from people over this i ain't gonna say much I, yeah i know uh i think charlotte wasn't the flair that was supposed to make it and i think we can all kind of like i think we can all kind of acknowledge that like yeah. it was supposed to be reed like reed was supposed to be the one that charlotte wasn't even a wrestler prior to reed dying like she was an acrobat she was athletic sure but not a wrestler if, if and I then Cole reed was actually apparently supposed to be quite good too i don't know it, if he yeah. was, you know promo style but i got the same I, I read the same articles praising him in the way they were praising richie steamboat ricky steamboat yes. shit. Uh, yeah i don't know about him i don't know about him mic wise but ring wise he was he was good i don't know if he would have been as good as rick but maybe he would have been as good as rick and different you know a different way maybe. but then he died and then all of a sudden charlotte flair was in nxt and she got fast tracked like i understand mm. that it's rick flair's kid but at least let her work the green off a little bit like i watch matches with her now and i'm like how can you still be this kind of rusty and stompy in the ring like there's no flow sometimes to the things she does and it makes her opponents like you and i've had this conversation a couple times like it makes her opponents look bad yeah i think like as i've said to you uh all fair many times uh i think in the big matches she really fucking tries and you can tell yeah. because in, in her big matches charlotte flair is every bit as good as they try to make her out to be but when it's uh, a throwaway match it's like she's trying to just preserve her own body, but in her yeah. attempts to preserve her own body, she kind of forgets that she's a decent bit bigger than most of the other girls. Right. And she puts a little too much weight behind her stomps and her throws. Yeah. She almost wrestles to a certain extent the way, like, she got better. Trish Stratus initially wrestled in much the same way. Oh, yeah. 2004 Trish Stratus. That's yeah. Exactly, that's very exactly stompy, very, like, all over the ring, like, just kind of difficult to fucking watch. But she got better. And I don't necessarily see Charlotte getting any better. Not I that think, I'm saying she, she can't. I'm just saying she's not. Like, like it's almost like she's going to the Nia Jax way of doing things where she's just like, you know, I go in, I do my match, I leave. I don't need to necessarily get better. Like, Charlotte know, doesn't think... hurt people. But, yeah. like, occasionally she comes fucking close. Like, or even herself. Like, I don't even, like, if you don't hurt anybody else, that's fucking wonderful. But Jesus, don't hurt yourself, too. Like, yeah. she puts herself in spots where I'm like, there's no way that this is going to work the way you want it to. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, th I think Charlotte, I think Charlotte's, um, well, for me, she's the third best horsewoman. Yeah. But 
at the same time, I think she is leaps and bounds better than most of the most of the women that they that they promote. Like I don't think she's as good as Shayna, but when I no. see her, when I see Charlotte come out, I'm like I fucking understand why you believe it. Yeah, like even uh, my my wife, uh, she's not a wrestling fan by any stretch. Yeah, she fucking loves Charlotte. She thinks Charlotte is an absolute badass because this woman carries herself as like yeah a tougher nails. Pay attention to me, wrestling savant. And even though yeah. that she's not all of those things, she is quite good at portraying them. Yeah, she can sell it on TV, which is like you know what you go for, really. And yeah, back to this. Show uh, <laughs> Michaels I... invites himself to WrestleMania. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Sean invites himself to Mania, and that's exactly what you would think it is, Sean. Pops up in the ring. Now, over the course of the evening, they have mentioned to us several times that Shawn Michaels is in the booth. Uh, so they bring him out. He found his smile, everybody. I know we can we can call off the Amber Alerts. Shawn found his smile. Uh, I think it was on, uh, it was on that same thing, table that, that Ric Flair was teaching Charlotte on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shawn brings up the smile thing in his interview about how he finds his smile and he, he laughed it off. And I kind of had that moment of like, you smug prick. Like, <laughs> Sean Michaels in nineteen ninety seven is the guy you work with in the office who you're like, you're good at your job when you try to do your job, but I hate you because of just how much the boss likes you. Yeah. Loves you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so Sean does what he's done in and we will find in several uh pre-WrestleMania moments uh going forward is that he didn't have a match booked. But he's going to be there anyway. Like, Sean's like, I'm coming to Mania. And I can't remember if it was the timekeeper, the fucking bell keeper, or, or whatever it was. on. Com- he was going to be on commentary. But Sean Michaels is going to be there. So you know that he's going to get involved somewhere along the line. Um, all right. Vader with Paul Bearer and Mankind versus Bulldog. You've seen it. You know what this is. It's just two big hosses wailing away on each other. Once again, not given enough time to actually live up the full potential of the <laughs> yeah. match. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure there's a commercial break. Yeah, yeah obviously is. that doesn't affect us at all. But no, but it takes the steam there. out of the match a little bit. And yeah. the one thing I did also notice about this episode is that a lot of the commentary uh, talked over the match and had nothing to do with the match that they were actually watching. Like, yeah, once again, of, we, like, we just we of course just plugs for WrestleMania, but. Yeah, like we we spent fucking an ungodly amount of time talking about how good JR is and was. But yeah, if there's one problem about modern wrestling, it's that they don't talk about the match. And that has apparently been yep. a problem since uh, the fucking 90s because they were not talking about any of the matches on yeah. the show. Apparently, 97. Yeah. So, so, so after the. They kind of let that match fizzle in the breeze. Uh, <laughs> Billy Gunn came down with his Alan Jackson look. Um, anybody who only knows Billy Gunn as uh, badass Billy Gunn would be like, who the fuck is that guy? Um, but Ken, Ken, Ken Shamrock is on commentary, pushing his his appearance at WrestleMania more. Uh, and Billy Gunn whoops up on a nobody and then proceeds to challenge Ken Shamrock to get in the ring because he don't think Ken Shamrock is as tough as he claims to be. Uh, mm-hmm. And Ken gets in there and makes him look like a fool. Uh, and then Billy Gunn, you know, gets pissed off and says, I bet you can't do it again, but 
guess what, everyone? Ken does it again. Uh, he whoops Billy Gunn up, uh, and Billy Gunn runs off. So if anyone, if anyone on the younger scale of things is trying to visualize what's happening here, uh, Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. There you go. That's essentially what this is. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and then we got Steve Austin who comes, he does his interview via the Titan Tron. Uh, it's a fantastic Steve Austin interview. Uh, he yeah. talks about Bret Hart. Uh, about how he wants Brett to be the champion at WrestleMania so that he can take the belt from Bret Hart. Um, how Ken Shamrock has absolutely no business in the wrestling industry because he's a UFC fighter and this is Steve Austin's world and Ken don't belong in it. Uh, kind of, you know, not all that dissimilar from the things that we hear people say uh, online whenever some non-wrestler pops up and you know gets interjected into a, a main picture yeah uh, most of the time i agree with it uh like i do too Gronk sucked but pat mcafee i know you didn't like it that much i thought he was great um i hate shaq in AEW right now i can't fucking stand it. oh god i didn't get me started on that i don't even understand what the fuck that the point of that is like it just makes no damn sense to me like you're gonna you're gonna have shaq what is he gonna he's gonna wrap how old is he, he now shaq's gonna be in his 50s shaq right? and jade cargill are wrestling red velvet and cody rhodes in a tag yeah, and cody yeah i'm like cody's good but i don't think he's that good i think this is going to be the worst match he can't ever. carry shaq like he ain't going to be able to carry shaq oh, i i will say my thinking is that it's going to be like it's going to be like when they brought in Carl Malone to WCW where, uh, yeah, he's, he's in the match, but he's not super active and like, he'll come in for a quick spot or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I he, get the he'll do his, he'll do this match is going to be predominantly red velvet and Cardinal. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, with a bit of a brawl between. Which I hope, I hope, I hope Jade, I hope Jade Cardinal is better than her promos are. She's getting there. Like I, she's, she's a very raw talent, but I see so much money yeah. in this woman. Like I think she's on TV she could, before she she's absolutely ready. could. But I yeah, yeah. Like, I think she's on TV before she's ready. But I think she's on TV before she's ready because they're keenly aware that if she leaves, she will go somewhere else, and she will. She be go someplace else, and they'll snap her up. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that goes. But I would be. Ugh, I am not looking forward to a Cody versus Shaq match. It just doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. Uh, bless, bless their heart for trying. I appreciate AEW's, yeah, I appreciate AEW's ability to um, use social media and bring in things from outside the world of wrestling. In, mm -hmm. I think they're, I think they've got a real innate talent for that already. Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned it to uh, my wife the other day when we were. I don't even remember. I might have been watching uh, Dynamite on the DVR or something like that, that I really appreciated the fact that Tony Khan is willing to spend money to use actual music. Like mm. someone can have an actual song that's like, you know, recognizable as opposed to like, uh, let's say WCW era DDP, where his theme song was Smells Like Teen Spirit, but not actually Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yes. Or like what they've done on the WWE Network with uh, your older ECW stuff. Like, you know, Tommy Dreamer came out to Man in the Box by Alice in Chains. Not on the network, he doesn't. Fucking Rob, the biggest... Van 
Yeah, Rob Van Dam would come out to walk by Pantera, not on the network. He yeah, doesn't. The biggest, like, the biggest crime there is Sandman ain't entering. Yes, any, he's Sandman. not. He's not entering any any Sandman. There's no Sandman. I don't there. know. Maybe now with the Peacock deal, we can fix <laughs> some of that shit. I wonder, honestly, now that you mention that, if if anything will change with that, like now that they'll have a little bit more money and probably maybe pull, I guess, or influence or something. I don't know. Maybe I think we'll get I some think more. It, it falls into the category. If there's one thing all of WWE's big money deals over the last few years have taught me is that while there's certainly a lot of stuff they could do, they're not doing it. Yeah. Uh, I don't. They're think... well aware of what they could do. They just don't yeah. want to. Yeah, like the the billion dollar deals that they're striking, I think is going more towards like the executive pays yeah. and production values as opposed yeah. to things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but yeah, so long, long story short of it all, fucking Steve Austin's promo here transcends decades because that's just how good of a promo he actually was right so good such a good promo um and this one especially i remember stuck out like mm-hmm. out of all of them oh yeah uh, this, this was the first sit up and take notice moment of the whole yeah. show for me the gist of it obviously being that he's plugging the match at wrestlemania everything interview wise that we're talking about the, the the bulk of it has been to promote wrestlemania in some way um and then obviously your main event is Brett and Sid in a steel cage for the title. And so, this match is fine, but if you've been paying attention at all to the episodes we've done before, once again, they're just not booking yeah. Sid in a way. Poor Sid. Poor Sid. <laughs> they're booking him right out the door, is what they're doing. Like Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what they're doing here. They're they're booking him into the waiting arms of Paul Heyman and the waiting arms of uh Oh, Ted Turner. Ted Turner and yep. uh, Eric, Eric Bischoff. Bischoff yep. Like, holy uh, fuck. And I, oh God, like, it, it was at the time that this match would have aired, I was a much better, bigger Bret Hart fan than I was a Sid fan because mm-hmm. Sid kind of represented that older guard for yeah. me. Not that, oddly enough, not that Bret Hart didn't, like, Bret Hart has the same fucking age and has the same career pretty much. Like, so to, to think that he's like a younger, would be different. He you know, represents a different silly. mentality. He, yeah, he represents a different, a different style and a different presentation. Yeah, like Sid is late eighties, early nineties. Hulk, Hulk Hogan hasn't left. Yeah, yet, yeah. When Jeff I think Harris of is, when I think of Sid Vicious, you know, Psycho Sid in this era of of WWF at that point. I think of Sid Justice, who was Hulk Hogan's partner mm-hmm. numerous times, like. Is he still relevant? Yeah, but to me, he was at that point maybe a little longer in the tooth, and it was time to let him not be in the title picture. But you know, Vince can't not put big dudes yeah. in. It's it's a bit like matches, it's a bit so. like when uh, Drew McIntyre defended the WWE title against the Big Show. It's like okay, I get yep. it. The Big Show, yeah, is a star, but we don't need to do this. Sure, yeah, that's that's kind of how this match felt like. These guys are a little bit more equal in terms of era and age than Drew McIntyre and the Big yeah. Show. And the, arguably, they might be a little similar in terms of what side of the demographic is most invested in them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is this is very much a, a match that they just they clearly need to just get through it yeah. <laughs> based on how they booked it. And I mean, it... it, it uh, oh God, hang on. I gotta get my... I gotta go back to my notes here. 
<laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, the, the match ended up being like, you know, any typical seal cage match in the 90s. It was a complete, you know, there was fuckery abounding. Um, you know, they, they Sid and Brett fought like you do in a steel cage, and then Austin rolled in and got involved. Um, Taker ended up coming out and getting involved. Uh, but Sid climbed out of the cage because Taker blocked Bret Hart from escaping, mm -hmm. and uh, Sid won. Uh, and while he was celebrating at the top of the ramp, like the, the match just kind of like, you know, it just erupted in chaos with everybody beating up on everybody. Uh, Bret Hart yelling about injustice, how wrong he, he how he'd been raw robbed. And uh, Austin gets on the Tron and calls Bret a loser for not being able to beat Sid, even though Austin helped him. Uh, Bret gets into it. He hits Pat Patterson, rest in peace, Pat Patterson. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Vince calls him a dirty, rotten son of a, and then gets cut off because at this point we still can't say those things on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, they make a big deal. Another episode where we stay after hours, like this goes past the 10 o'clock mark. Uh, I'm assuming probably about five to seven minutes would seem to be like the sweet spot for how much they would go over in timing. Um, Shawn Michaels comes down to the ramp and he walks past Brett and Austin. He gets in the ring. He rolls back out. He gets a chair and he stalks around ringside. And then Vince lets us know that he will see us all next week. Yeah. So like the, I'll, I'll give him credit. The ending of this show was kind of good, but one thing I yeah. want to, I want to just address. So the WWE champion going into WrestleMania, mm -hmm wins a cage match against a guy who, for all intents and purposes, has been booked as the rightful WWE champion. Yeah. And the WWE champion only wins this match when his WrestleMania opponent helps him win. And then afterwards, while the champion is trying to celebrate, the show just moves on without him. Yeah. And, and they start selling what is... Obviously, we now know it's an iconic match, and they were definitely pushing it as one of the focal points of the show. Yeah, with pushing this non-world title match over, yeah. like at, at the expense of the champion. Like, if you do that today, and I know this because they did it with the Miz in 2010, they did it with CM Punk in 2012. Yeah. They they've done it a lot of the time where they're pushing non-world title matches as more important than the world title matches. The internet loses its fucking mind. Yeah. And it's 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 crazy to see WWE doing it all the way back then during their supposed golden period. And this is involving a big big stars like this is involving a WWE veteran. It's involving yep. the Undertaker, who's a cornerstone of WWE even in 1997. Yeah. And it 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 was an angle that was involving Bret Hart, and I think that might have been the only reason they were giving it as much time as it was. Right, and this is like remember, this is right before Bret Hart makes that big old heel turn. So this is like, you know, Bret Hart before he was. I would go so far as to say he's about to become the biggest he ever was in mm -hmm. the WWF. I think, I think uh, Hart Foundation Bret Hart is probably my favorite version of Bret Hart. Yeah. This, this right here, this WWE title feud right here is, this would slot very well into the Alberto Del Rio, Dolph Ziggler, Sheamus time period of the yeah. WWE. 
where it's like, okay, these guys are all technically stars, but they're not superstars. No, you're not changing. You're not stopping on the channel to see them. Like if you're watching it already, it's fine, but they're not bringing you in if you're not a fan already. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think in this, in this instance, it, entirely because of the benefit of hindsight, they were right to focus on Bret Hart and, uh, and Steve Austin. Yeah. That was a much more important match in the grand scheme of things. But yep. if I was watching at the time and message boards existed, I'd definitely, I'd definitely be in the camp of, man, they got to show more respect to the WWE yeah, champion. Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess that, that probably summed up our two. Pretty yeah, that, that's right that's there. Like the whole hour too. Highlights. Uh... I would say the highlight was the cage match. For me, I guess it would be the cage match. Obviously, we didn't like how it all came about. Didn't but... like the booking, but like the match itself. That isn't going to be in a fucking nutshell. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I or like the Austin the... interview. Yeah, I think I think for me it's the Austin interview, the show closing brawl. Which I think was really good. WWE did show closing brawls back then as well as they do six man tag matches now. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think I think that the cage match would be like the third best for me. Low point of hour two, probably Billy Gunn's squash match because yeah. sorry, Billy, yeah. I just don't give a fuck. Who cares? About you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, that's that is everything for this. So like that's that's kind of the, the new format that we're that we're going for. We're gonna kinda of deep dive the attitude era as a whole, yeah. looking for what what aspects of it are still familiar complaints in wrestling today. Yeah. I guess coming out of this episode, my my main question is has wrestling fan culture always been like this, but because of the internet we're more aware of it? Or because we're more aware of it, we see the issues back then that we didn't see. I, it could be both. Honestly, I think it, I think it could be a fair amount of both. Um, you know, certainly prior to the network, where it wasn't necessarily as easy to go back and watch these old episodes. Yeah. Like maybe you had to dig a little bit more to try and find them. And you might um, only find the best bits. Like when I would yeah. watch Attitude Era stuff on YouTube, it was highlights. Right. Which and now you understand why. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I think it's very easy as wrestling fans, and I say this as the the the, the higher end of the, the elder statesman, the elder statesman, I guess. Yeah, um, it is considerably easier to look at old wrestling when you're not actually looking at it through rose-colored glasses. Mm -hmm. um, I can say that. Oh, you know, The Rock and Austin and Triple H and China. And I can give you this long list of names that you would be like, yeah, those names are important. Those people, must, like, it must have just been wonderful to watch them. And it was, but not every week. Uh, just like now, like you can have your favorites now. Like there are people that pop up on screen now that I'm like, ah, oh, thank God. Drew McIntyre. Uh I even Roman like Reigns. Roman Reigns now, Jesus Christ, bro. heel Roman Reigns is one of my favorite things. Fucking uh, Jey Uso. I've never, I've always liked the Usos, but I've never cared about Jey Uso the way right? I really care about him. Um, I, I even like what they're doing with, uh, with Sheamus. I think that shit's funny. Like I, I enjoy yeah, Sheamus and McIntyre together. I love Big E by himself. Uh, I even kind of enjoy what they're doing with, um, uh. Who did, uh, who did, who's Xavier Woods been Mustafa working again? Ali. That's it, that's it. The stuff with uh, the Kofi and 
and uh and Xavier against is, retribution yeah like that's that's good stuff right there it's, it's not it's picking up like i'm not going to give them any fucking credit <laughs> for doing for doing retribution the right way the fact that this work has absolutely everything to do with the fact that mustafa ali is fucking fantastic yeah and 100%. they dropped the ball on him months ago they should have been doing shit with him months ago the build-up that you told me when we were talking off air that time of what they could do with him was fucking brilliant like Oh yeah, I should, I should do a video on that at some point because, like, I don't want to steal someone like Adam Blomfield's thunder or anything like that. But, right. Like, compared to what we got, that little yeah. head cannon that I came up with wasn't fucking bad. Yeah. The fact that we're talking about Ali at all after the way they flubbed Retribution is just a, a, is a testament yeah. to how how good he is. Yeah, it's just a huge indictment of how actually fucking talented. Yeah, because it sure is. as shit got nothing to do with what they're doing with the members of retribution that they're using i mean for christ's oh, sake totally. they brought they brought slap nuts out earlier in the like i think on monday and like he still like he feels to me like the member that it's okay to toss a lose to mm -hmm. uh he is the he is the virgil of the nwo where like if they need a loss for retribution on some with somebody that's yeah. who they're gonna fight they will He's be and is 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 me a yim gonna fucking wrestle Nope. at some point like no like, because they don't they don't use female characters in this stable um they they they, they the women's division on raw is on a holding pattern to a becky yeah. Lynch, in fact um, which 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 really kind of pisses me off because it, it's a holding and you're right you're a hundred percent right and i hadn't thought about it until you just brought it up but they're a holding pattern until lynch comes back but what is that going to do for anybody that's been like trying to build themselves up while she was gone? Like, I tell you what it's going to do. It's going to nothing, nothing the, good. It's going to suck the uh, momentum clean out of Becky Lynch's return when she's yeah. got no one to fucking fight. They better, they better, Nikki Cross better hope that they pair her up with with Becky Lynch and make it just some stupid tag team because they have fucking accents. Because otherwise, I got to be honest. Like, I could see Nikki Cross getting shuffled off back to NXT. And in all honesty, yeah. maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea. Like, I probably could look at the rosters for Raw and SmackDown and and clear half of them off and just say send them to N send them back to NXT. I, I was It'll actually I was, uh, get used. I was talking to you about it a couple of days ago. My my latest wild idea on how to save Raw is uh, I'd I'd merge two men's world titles and I'd move the the heavyweight division and the men's division in general to SmackDown. And I just give the first two hours of Monday Night Raw exclusively to the women. Yeah. Build up their main event scene, give them a mid card title, build up the tag scene. And if you want to add some guys there, another title that has no real home at the moment, cruiserweights. Add throw yeah. the cruiserweights on Raw. The ratings can't get much fucking worse, and no. the women score really, really well when they're on screen. So give them the show. I think they can do it. If they can main event WrestleMania, they can have their own show. Yeah, the only thing I would think about the cruiserweights is there's for whatever reason, and maybe it's just it's just like I'm hung up on it in my own head. Is I think the cruiserweights work perfectly when contained in the NXT brand. Mm. I I just feel like they they fit. Like I I don't I don't know how Raw has never been kind to cruiserweights in any way shape. Yeah, or form. this is this is. And, and, but but in all honesty, no main roster on the, in the WWE has ever been kind to cruiserweights. And it's, I think it's just because Vince doesn't see any, he doesn't see any money in, in little guys. So yeah. I, it would almost be nicer to let like the stuff that they've got and got going on now with the cruiserweight title in NXT with, um, 
uh, uh, Santos Escobar. That, thank you, thank you, Santos Escobar. Uh, I always want to call him by the, the name he was running with when he first got the He Held Del Fantasma. Yeah, I get it. That's a cool name. Uh, it is, it is, it is. Um, I I don't know if it would have the same pull on Raw. Like, I feel like they would be having, like, there was that little backstage vignette on NSC this week with Escobar and, um, fuck if I can remember who it is that he's fighting off the top of my head. But you, uh, you, know, you know what uh, I Kurt mean. Stallion. That's it. That's it. Um, if you put that on Raw, like, somebody some big main event guy would have come in and like fucked with it it would they would have yeah, shot true. it they would have shot it to shit immediately and i don't know why because there's no fucking reason to do that obviously um but yeah i just feel like the cruiserweights work in nxt honestly more shit works in nxt than than doesn't you and pretty much you could almost say anything that works in nxt would probably not work on the main roster just because the main roster will fuck it up yeah, that is true. Like, can you imagine trying to do the fight pit in on the main roster? I mean, we've like, seen the fight pit on the main roster. It's called the Lions Den. Well, that's true. <laughs> and, and we had a whole we had a whole bunch of it there when they were calling it Raw Underground. Uh, so, if that if that ain't the biggest disappointment, but I mean, no. that is very much a story for another. Yeah, time. we could do a whole episode on, on yeah. that. Yeah. So we've know. we've got we've got uh, this episode of Raw from. Syracuse, New York, completely wrapped up. I've completely yep. forgotten the date of this show. March 17th, 1997. There we go. If you want to watch it on the network, you can do that on Peacock in America, or you yeah. can do that on the network in the rest of the world. And... Well, not, not Peacock here yet, but soon. You can still do it on the regular network here. I think ah. I think we don't switch over until sometime in March, which makes me think that their big push will be Mania. Oh, of course. Yeah, the first pay-per-view is going to be yeah. Fastlane. I remember that press release. Fair enough. Well, you can watch it on the on the WWE Network. If you do watch it, be sure to tweet us at uh, Babyface Briny on Twitter. Yeah, or a Thomas nineteen seventy eight if you want to talk to me. You can tell us your thoughts. You can tell us what you agree with. You can tell us what you disagree with. You can do whatever you want. Really, it is the internet after all. And in the That's meantime, right. one thing we do hope you do is join us again next week. Uh, the 1849 right. is back. It's a new year. It's a new us. It's a new format. I can't wait to show you what else we guys. Uh, yeah, we got a we got a lot coming. I'm looking forward to it. This yeah, is exciting. We got a lot of stuff planned, and I hope you come with us for the journey. All right. In the meantime, thank you and goodbye. Later, y'all. And that is it for part two of this week's episode. Once again, thank you so much for uh, listening with us, for enjoying the show with us. If you want to hear more of Aaron, you can check him out at The Voice In Between or How We Saw It podcast, both of which are on Spotify. If you want to follow him on Twitter, you got Thomas 1976 or 78, one of those. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, Babyface Broadcast is the place to go. You can also come over to the Facebook page, Babyface Broadcast, as well. That's going to be a little bit more active in the coming days than it has been previously. And uh, that is it for now. Please uh, like, share, and subscribe if you like this episode. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this. Goodbye. Get stomped like a snake. 
Lie down in the dirt Cling to my convictions Even when I get hurt Be an upstanding, well-loved man About town In your child's mind That's how it goes down But I try The losing side I don't want to die in here I don't want to die in here Drift down into the new dark Congratulations Spent too much of my life now trying to play fair Throw my better self overboard Shoot at him when he comes up for air Come unhinged Get revenge For years and years and years and years President of the fan club up there choking on his tears 